Hey guys, what's up? It's Lizzie Jane, and I'm back with another podcast. This week, we have a returning guest, also known as Jason Leach on. He is a multi-versatile, incredibly talented musician and producer. I actually had him on before his Red Rocks debut last Friday at Rowdy Town with Big Gigantic, which was so, so exciting for him. It's crazy to reflect on when he and I spoke during COVID when we were all in lockdown and he was still doing these crazy reimaginations that he still does today. But it was just like starting to gain traction of these larger artists that he was bootlegging and remixing and also the fans. And then thinking from then in 2021 to now in 2023, the massive sets he's played, the massive tours he's been on, he's doing so many headline dates. He's created a fan base completely of his own, and he's heading out on tour soon with the Marvel years, and he's bopping back and forth. He's done dates with Closey. He's done dates with so many A-list acts, and it's amazing to see the growth and just hear more about the direction he's heading in. He absolutely killed it at Red Rocks, and it was just such a cool act to see. Friendly reminder, if you guys really love what we're doing here and you're learning from each and every conversation, please remember to like, comment, subscribe, tell a friend, show a friend. It all helps. And remember, this episode was brought to you by Vitapler and Lunchbox Packs. Use code LizzieJane at checkout and you'll receive a percentage off of your order. Thanks guys so much. I hope you guys have a wonderful weekend. And if you guys are going to be at Gold Rush, I am playing on Saturday and I can't wait to see you guys. Without further ado, this is Lizzie Jane and you're tuning into the Lizzie Jane podcast with special guest Jason Leach. Hey guys, so lately I've seen a ton of larger shows I've been playing at that a lot of these festivals and venues are no longer allowing bags that are not clear. Well, guess what? Lunchbox Packs is coming in clutch again. They have just stepped up their anti-theft bags by releasing a fully clear hydration pack and snack pack. This is an absolute game changer for your summer festivals and events. Each bag is made out of TPU material that is incredibly durable, flexible, and made to not alter under extreme sun exposure over time. You also have the option to bring a skin in your bag on the way in, and once you're through that security line, you can zip on your skin for privacy of your belongings and to add some extra personalized fun flair. These hydration packs meet the majority of all festival regulations and guidelines. As always, these packs have all of the awesome anti-theft features as the original hydration and snack packs. Make sure you use code LizzieJane for $10 off any hydration pack and code LizzieJ for $5 off any snack pack. I will see you at the rave. The show today was brought to you by Vitaplur E-Boost Gum. With no pill to take or powders to mix, Vitaplur E-Boost Gum is a first-of-its-kind energy rave supplement that provides magnesium, electrolytes, and antioxidants while you chew. Vitaplur is the perfect complement to my active lifestyle, whether it's at the festival, on the road touring, or hitting the gym. Chew Vitaplur and dance with confidence. Use code LizzieJane for 10% off any order. Jason, I'm so glad that we are finally doing this today. Right Thank first. you for joining me. Thanks for having me. You have your Red Rocks debut tomorrow. That's right. It's so exciting. Um, are you just 
pumped beyond belief. Yes, that's that was the top of the bucket list. Yeah, it really has always been. Absolutely. And I just feel like your style and just you always like organically being a live performer. Whenever I think of Red Rocks, even though it's fucking awesome for electronic music, like live music thrives at Red Rocks. It's that like typical Shakespearean type venue that is just I remember seeing, I went to the South Park 25th anniversary really? there and they brought out Rush with obviously without yeah, Neil Peart and they that. had one of the curators play on the drums. And like that was one of the first times that I'd been there for like a non-EDM kind mm. of event. And it just like took my breath away. Mm. So it's it's so exciting. And I feel like you paired with Big Gigantic, there's like yeah. very few artists that I would think in my head that's like a better pairing just because of what you guys all do integrating the live instruments and then having you know like the EDM tracks and the production tracks in the background um are you debuting any new music like talk about like the way that you kind of started to build your set when you knew this was your Red Rocks debut yeah I uh I really I was like okay I gotta do it's like a all the songs I know that work live and then I was like just busy trimming the fat and just like if if I get X amount of time here I want to use every single second right you know what I mean yes. and a second but like every four bars like everything mm -hmm. has to be perfect you know what I mean so I really like tried to make it just be like non-stop um exactly what I wanted songs that work I am gonna debut a new song uh collab with Smokeland yeah love the Smokeland boys good boys and yeah. uh, uh luna on vocals it's called Sweet. all in my head and it's uh it's like this half or uh orchestral piano-y you know strings and then the other half is just like heavy <laughs> that's awesome yeah um and i mean i've definitely followed your project for a while mm -hmm. we've spoken back and forth for quite a while i yeah. know like we've met here and there but you've always like really stayed like true to your vision and I feel like like I would love to know like your background really because like I obviously can tell and everybody else can tell that you're a musician and mm -hmm. and you kind of stepped into the EDM sphere with a very unique approach of like doing your own interpretations or like you know what an average producer's quote-unquote bootleg would be but with you know your piano with your synths and like reimagining it that way like i want to know were you in a band before were you like a musician in kind of another genre have you kind of always done these reimaginations of tracks uh i was in a band uh, I, I did like the high school uh pop punk band yep, on, in yep. the garage you I know think most of us did yeah you know trying to be blink 182 or something uh and then in college and i well before that i took piano lessons like since first grade and just stuck with them all the way through high school and in college continued piano lessons um but oh, in college I was with the band as well and we did uh like uh more jammy stuff like uh Grateful Dead covers and oh, uh, stuff sweet. like that um and that was really fun and that's where I was really performing like on stage in front of like a rowdy college you know crowd kind of got my stage legs understood like you know how to yeah how to look, you know, try not to be completely awkward on stage. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, that bands came first, 
But I do remember like in high school, I heard like dubstep and EDM for the first time. And I was really excited about it because um, they're not, the songs are just synths and sounds and melodies. And I always thought that I had to find my place in a band. Like, who can I play keyboards for? And a lot of bands don't have the keyboards as the lead. You know, you're usually the guy. Yep. Filling in the back th- right back. corner. Yeah. Maybe you're playing like the triangle and, and I, have a computer and yeah. do all this other shit. But I mean, you know, some of my favorite keyboards, but like it really, that's not the star. They're more like, you know, I have to be the star. Yes. You know, it's yes. Just, that's, yes. Yeah. Uh, but I was like, oh, the lead of this song, there was no words and, you know, like Skrillex song and stuff. Like you're just like, these are just sounds. And this is before I even knew what like production was. And I, I truly thought that like listening like ZZ or Skrillex, like I thought that they were they had a machine and they were hitting like ding ding ding, you know, like hitting all yeah. the buttons and making them. I was like, I was like, I wonder what they're using to play. Like I thought they were performing it. And I was like, oh, I could perform that. I can play keyboards. So it was kind of like an organic thing where I was like, didn't understand what was going on first, but like I'd hear the sounds and I'd be like, those are all just notes on a piano. Like no matter what it is, if it's a you know, rhythm screech, you know, it's still an E, so, you know what I mean? Like it's somewhere on that keyboard. And uh, that got me excited because then I thought I can do like a solo thing. And uh, before I even did live shows like that, I just started putting videos out online, just in my bedroom, put up yeah. the camera and, and uh, slowly kind of, you know, got better and better at that. Then I started just covering straight up like, you know, EDM dubstep songs and that got a lot of attention. And we as people tend to lean in uh, yep. what gets attention. But I love, I mean, I love doing it. But it's just like, I was like, oh, there's something here. Something uh, new, you know. You filled a niche that was not yet filled, in my opinion. And like, you know, there's definitely acts that have come before you that have, have dabbled in, obviously, like orchestration and, and playing, mm-hmm. you know, live elements, whether it's on a push pad or a beat pad or they're playing guitar or they're playing bass. Mm-hmm. But. I really can't pull in my mind anyone who really like you create the lead out of your piano and then like the rest, it's like that's your like voice where it's like that's your like stamp in the musical like orchestration and and you're so right. And I think there's this thing that comes from a lot of producers that start as musicians and then travel into the world of EDM. And a lot of times, at least for me, it was okay, well, I know how to write a song and I know how to play X, Y, and Z instrument, but how do I get in the DAW and translate all of that stuff and understand synthesis and understand the actual like language of the workstation, whether mm-hmm. it's Logic or FL or Ableton. Um, but you can't, I mean, you can teach music and you can teach music theory, but I think that is the hardest part. Is, is being able to understand the techniques and understand the software and know how to be all technical and sound designy, but like, are you kind of taking all of that knowledge and writing cohesive like records? And, right. and I feel like with what you do, it's such a, it's such a cool like arrangement of, of, elements that we just really haven't seen as far pushed forward in the bass community before and you know like when we spoke before 
during COVID, I think it was, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. I know that, you know, you're in such a different place now, which I'm sure is just wild to you yeah. because COVID wasn't even that long ago. And now it's like you're on tour with Closey and you're doing, you know, dates here and dates there and headlining. And like when wow. I saw the video of you at Electric Forest, I was just like, this is perfection. Like, yeah. I'm yeah. sure like that moment for you was probably wild. It was. It was a big, I mean, I had played shows and I would played, you know, semi-big crowds, but like, or, out, or at least always opening for somebody that had a semi-big yep. crowd. And uh, then that happened and all the people showed up and it solidified something in my mind, like, oh, you can do it, you know, like, here it is. But then just the, uh, that, that weekend, these are people from all over the country and then they all go back home and now wherever i go in the country somebody's like I was, I was at your honeycomb set and like that is the most you know whatever i hear most from somebody that comes up to me it's always i was at your honeycomb set you know mm -hmm. so i know that i know that that got the word out some somehow um and it was just a, a great vibe uh it was like thursday during the day and people yeah were walking it was in. like before the festival like really like almost like legitimately started it was like mm -hmm. the pre-party like day one kind of deal and yeah. i feel like that is like so much of like preparation like meets opportunity and you guys were in the right thing to mm -hmm. do it and it was like the right crowd of individuals that were really receptive to like what you do and and i think that is yeah. like what's most exciting and what's like so cool about those camping festivals like whether it's Okeechobee or Electric Forest or you know rest in peace Okeechobee but it will be back it yeah. will be back I've never been yeah it's I I've, I went when I lived in Florida and yeah. it was kind of like the Electric Forest of the South mm. before it was bought out and it was very cool multi-genre you know very cool. very kind of Electric Foresty meets Bonnaroo and mm. and very cool vibes and welcoming to all types of music but you know exactly what you said before kind of like forest when you would open for people i remember us speaking in that in the podcast we did previously that it would kind of be a hard dynamic change for you because yeah. you know you may have somebody before you who's maybe like a local opener or a regional opener that's playing like rhythm and then yeah. you come on and and it's still heavy but it's like you're a performer and I definitely noticed that when I started to sing a lot more than just DJ, the whole set kind of deal is people like watch you like they're watching a band. But as a DJ, you dictate almost the way the crowd is feeling by how they're moving. So, I mean, have you kind of figured out a way to balance like, OK, the crowd's digging this and they're just watching me or like. Maybe I'm losing the crowd or maybe mm -hmm. like it's just like what I do that they're just infatuated with. Yeah, there is a weird thing with playing heavy like bass music. But so like if you're at a heavy bass music concert, then you're kind of like in a rage mode and you're moving. You know, it's not like this, like, you know, stand back and watch for at least a lot of people. But like I'll be playing it and if I... I'm noticing if the crowd isn't moving, it's like I'm losing them. But then I look and some of them are just like looking up at me and like they're not like bored. It's just they're watching what's happening mm -hmm. and trying to figure out like, you know, what I'm doing. How is he there. doing that? Yeah. yeah. But you're but you're there and like the act before you, they're headbanging. 
And then you're like, and I'm like, okay, I'm going to play the piano, you know? So I, I can, I can kind of figure out and I, I'm getting better at knowing like the, the push and pull of like, maybe not too much, uh, of one thing, like, mm -hmm. you know what I mean? Show off a little bit of piano solo or a synth solo, but then it's like hit some bass and then bring it back. I mean, that's, you know, what a good mix sounds like, but you know, yeah. it definitely takes, it's hard because it's like a DJ set takes like so much curation, but then when you have that live element, there's just this other level of preparation that has to go into it. And if I remember correctly, you're running everything through Ableton, right? Ableton no. Live. No, I don't know. How, I don't know how to use Ableton. Oh. I'm not an Ableton oh. boy. Okay, so so run through your setup for me. Like right. if I was like like 101 for dummies, how to sure. do Jason? It is. It is. You're gonna be surprised how basic it really is. But a lot of the the heavy work is um, behind the scenes and before the set. But it's make the set. Uh, in I use Logic and I cut out from whatever stems I can get or recreate. Yep. And like so, if there's a drop, like the song that you're hearing, it's, it has the buildup and then it's just drums and effects, but there's no, you know, bass or any kind of melody in it. Um, so I like I cut it out and I spend all most of the time just in Logic making this mix. Then I take those songs. And I throw it on iTunes on my computer. So I'm running iTunes on stage. Oh my God. I and you can it. see, and it's actually going down this like, you know, final, final 99, yeah. <laughs> like all that. It's just going down this list of just, just cut up songs. Like if you would listen to it, it's like this sounds empty or it's missing, you know, but all the uh, elements that I'm playing, I have lined up uh, in main stage. Apple makes main stage. Got it. Yeah. It's like a, it looks like logic. And so I have, I have two computers. So I have iTunes over here on one computer and it's just running this background, you know? Yeah, yeah. And yeah. then the other one is uh, main stage and it has all these synths that I've prepared in order. So there's like a hundred instruments and I can, I'll, I'll play the drop and I hit a button on my keyboard and now it's a new, my keyboard's a new instrument and wow. it's the one for the next song. Yeah. So but much preparation. It's a show. It is. And, you know? and it's like, I, I try to do this like half. I was like, okay, I'm a DJ. I need to have a, a mixer. And then I was like, my first show, I, I had the mixer here. And I was, I was like, I have to have this, right? You know, because that's what I'm doing. And I would barely use it. I would just transition between songs. And I realized like, nobody really. No one gives a fuck. No, no yeah. one, like, th th I'm just doing that because I think I have to. I'm like, if people just want to hear it, they're not going to care if it's coming out of this mixer or just playing on iTunes, you know? What the main thing is, is, you know, what my hands are doing on the keyboards. They're like, that's kind of where we're at now. But there, there is something like, I, I, I would like to get into Ableton because then you can really... Well, that's essentially what people who... I'm, I'm currently in my first process of putting together my first Ableton live really? set. And, and, you know, that's what people who are doing, whether it's they're using the push pad or they're using the Kai product or a MIDI board or whatever, they're, they're setting up all of their tracks that they're going to run through mm -hmm. and then they're triggering it off of faders and then on, and then they're MIDI mapping whatever sound on whatever instrument they're bringing in, whether mm -hmm. it's a drum pad or it's a keyboard or it's da da da, as long as it's not a DI direct in synth, mm -hmm. which I 
personally think like I understand why a lot of people use guitar and I understand why mm -hmm. a lot of people use like real synths and not MIDI keyboards because you go right DI into whatever mixer you're playing with and it makes it so much easier and then they just have Ableton kind of like fader one, fader yeah. two. It's exactly what you're doing. Mm -hmm. It's just a different layout. And I think there's just this like mysteriousness that consumers, especially fans who are really into electronic music mm -hmm. have with like these live sets because it's like how do they set everything up and how do they play everything and and i i feel like every artist i've like sat down and talked to does it like a different way which is mm -hmm. just the craziest thing about it because it's just like production where there's so many ways that you can set everything up and get everything facilitated to just get up and go but I feel like the difference like with a live act than like a DJ set. And I will say that I don't feel like any DJ is going to Red Rocks being like, I don't know what I'm playing kind of deal. <laughs> but, you know, you have a set list, you know, it's like you're you know what you're you're starting with, you know, at 30 minutes, what set, you know, what song you're going to be on. And then, you know, what you're finishing with mm -hmm. is there, I guess, is, are, are there times where you have kind of derailed from that and done your own thing? Or is that just really difficult with your setup? Um, that's, that's kind of where I, I like paint myself on a corner because I have this set and it's just running down. And then if someone's like, actually, you have 45 minutes instead of an hour, then it's just like, it's yeah. not, it's not like I can transition because no. actually I produce the, so the end of one song ties to the next one. And it's every like time an I want yeah, if yeah. I want to add a new song, I have to go into logic and I have to put, make the right, you know, mm -hmm. so it's a big deal to like add a song and it really takes a long time. But like, yeah, I. That's that's one thing that I I wish I could kind of jam out, even like having um, like a, a looper where I just know it's going to just keep going and then I can play and whenever I'm done playing, I can come out of it. I think that would be cool. Um, but it's just I, I just kind of just hone in on stuff and it's working. And then I yeah. like, why would I? Why would you change something that's already working? Either? It's not. Yeah, because there's so many things that I feel like you can actually do that you oh, could just yeah. drive yourself crazy by always introducing Smart. a new element and always introducing a new pedal or mm -hmm. what you said, like the looping aspect or completely switching to Ableton. And I'm just like, don't make it harder than it has to be. If it's, yeah. if it's working, like you have so many other things to, I guess, like worry about. And I know like with you, you kind of made this transition into what you're doing based off of doing these like reimaginations. At what point, you know, were you always making your own music, I guess, in electronic? Once you kind of made that switch or was it kind of like, wow, people really like like these, like maybe maybe I should, you know, put my toes in this little pocket and see what it's like to dabble around in electronic dance music and like the world of production on this side instead of kind of that band life. Yeah, I I mean, like. I saw that. Well, I, I was enjoying, you know, going to EDM shows and I was like thinking in my head, all these sounds can be played. And then I kind of dabbled in it, but didn't think too much of it. It was just kind of like for the video thing. Mm -hmm. But I really like, I don't know. I, I have so much fun with it because it, it's, it's more, other than like, you know, in a band, like this thing that I got going and what I see, it's kind of becoming this like, uh, it's almost like, like a, a comedy act because it's almost silly and i don't mean that like it's like haha funny but like it's look at all these mm -hmm. weird things that could happen you know what i mean 
And I see it just like, how weird can this get? And I'm kind of just obsessing over like, like what could this thing become? It's not even like I know what it would look like, but like, I've just realized like how endless it is. And like, if I went from like nothing from five or six years ago to this, like what does five years from this look like? Like, I just wonder like how weird it can go. What it's, Well, it's always like the mutation of like the project. It's like the evolution of it. And I think when you have so many different influences and you constantly challenge yourself to like say exactly what you just said, like how weird can I go? How far in can I go? You get these new like like versions of of yourself of like whether it's the project on a whole or it's a VIP of a song, or you mm-hmm. release a song, and then you release a remix of it later. Mm-hmm. There's so many things you can do to not stay in, like, a bubble. And I yeah. think and I think definitely, like, in EDM, it's sometimes, like, encouraged to stay in that, like, bubble because it's, like, easier to place you on tours, and it's easier to maybe market yourself to a certain crowd. But when you go out of, like, electronic dance music, and even the biggest guys have definitely done it. But like pop music and like alt bands, like you look at like Bring Me the Horizon, you look at so many different projects like across the scope of like music and they've reinvented themselves so many times. Mm-hmm. And they've just gone, okay, well, we're going to go death metal and then we're going to go yeah. commercial and then we're going to do this and then we're going to go to pop punk. And mm-hmm. and I feel like if you like have the fan base that's receptive to it, like you can do it. Yeah, and the, my like, I think my biggest hang up right now, I'm getting better at it, but it's, it's making an original track because mm-hmm. I've just leaned into remixes and like I worked that muscle. Like that was the big thing. That you was the I mean? muscle. You know I mean? Yes. And it's like, you know, I, I know what works and like I, I've gotten better with the videos. I know how to make them like, I know like how to keep them snappy and everything now, or at least compared to my older stuff. But like, there is something that is just, about opening a blank project and you can click one million different sounds and that just kills me. I mean, I you know, I have put out original music and it it takes me a long time, like a month or two, where I know people crank them out in like a day. It's sick. It really, it really, it does. I really, and I do that, uh, what's it? Paralysis by analysis. Like, yeah. Just, I just get stuck. Because then there's the whole, like, I'll be making it and then you EQ something, but then it changes that down there which makes it that different. And then you change that, it makes that different. And I just, you know. And you look at like a spectrum analyzer and you see yeah. how everything is so, like what you said with like an EQ, like if you're automating like a notch EQ or if you're if you're cutting a whole low end out of a certain like, you know, every every element is supposed to have its its place in yeah. like in like the technique world of of, you know, your sub's supposed to be up here and then your high end and your percussion's supposed to be up here. And then we have the duck in the middle where the mids are and we have to make the mids yeah. full and wide and also it be like clear and mono. And mm-hmm. and there's so many things and that's even before you get into like the creative aspect yeah. of things, of like the actual songwriting. And I feel like it's it's difficult when you're in such like a creative process that you normally have. Like I'm sure when you go to reimagine a song or to remix a song, you have like an order of operations, potentially. Mm-hmm. And then when you open up that blank project, it's it's just exactly what you said. And it's not like, oh, we've got 
a drum and guitar and bass and keys and a singer. And this is it. And we're going to write and we're going to write somehow some chord progression that some band a million years ago wrote or Mm -hmm. some band yesterday wrote. And we're going to make it our own and we're going to add harmonies. And you kind of have this like cool thing, but it's also like a limitation of you can only do so much. And like I've always seen in like metal and post hardcore and alternative music, like they do utilize like a lot of the keyboard players usually have like, mm-hmm. you know, a MIDI keyboard or they'll have their computer with Ableton yeah. where they do since like I think of like old attack attack, like all yeah. of that stuff. But it's still like you're serving this purpose in this like gap of like what we wish we could have as a band. And then when you're a producer, you almost have everything. You you yeah. have everything right at the tip of your fingers. And then to add instruments on top of that. And like, it's for you, it's not, you know, like what song can I write today? It's what can I write that's also going to complement my style as mm. an artist? And like, do you kind of have a creative process that you follow now, at least when getting into you know, starting an original track? Like, do you always start with your keyboards? Are you starting with drum grooves? Like, how does that go for you? Um, well, uh, I like a beat first. I think that might go back to the remixes. It's like, mm-hmm. there's some scaffolding to work with. Like, there's something here. Even if I don't even use that drum loop, at yeah. least there's something down. And piano is nice to just leave it on piano because that is the sound you're using. Yes. And that that is kind of like the sound that I want to have. Like when you hear like a song with piano and it's like, at least I have an instrument that I can go to that is solid. That's what you can work mm-hmm. with. So that's like a piece. But there's just, okay, I write it in piano and then I see it in logic there and there's the riff in piano. Well, I wonder what that would sound like on this instrument, on that instrument. And then it's like, then it's becoming this new thing. And then like, just, I, I think the choices of sounds are what really gets me. Like that's two hours. Yeah. Cause like I, before a producer, I think I'm a performer. Like I, I need, like I like to, I think that's why I like the remixes. Just like, give me a beat. Let me play on top mm-hmm. of it. You know, I don't want to make the beat. I want to play. I want to yep. jam, you know, like there's, there's, there's times I'll be in my studio and I'll be EQing a snare for hours. I'm like, I like, I play keyboard. You know what I mean? Like, this yeah. is wrong. But it, you need a good sounding snare to bring out your keyboard. Like, you know what I mean? But I, I do feel myself, like, utilizing myself wrong. So, like, that, I love collabs. Because yes. I'll be like, hey, I re-, like, any collab is that I have out with somebody is me laying down parts on a piano and, like, strings. And, like, here, I made it. Yeah. And then, you know, it works out. Because then they have music. And the producer is good at producing. But, but, you know, again, it's like, okay, what's my original sound? Like, what, what am I? You know what I mean? And that, uh, that's the, uh, the journey I'm on now. But I think that's so cool, though, because, like, you established yourself, like, even though it wasn't what everybody else was doing. Like, I think a lot of people who have really talented musical backgrounds or, like, played music forever, which is something that I fell into Like, I think a lot of people throw that to the wayside and they're like, I have to learn Ableton. I have to learn FL Studio. And they take like their musicality with them and it helps Mm -hmm. them in the songwriting process. But you're really essentially starting from scratch. Like you definitely long term, I think you have such a leg up if you understand music theory and you understand song structure and you understand, you know, 
harmonies and the fifths and the sevenths and all of that shit because it mm-hmm. goes into writing great songs. But, you know, I thought sound design was going to be the death of me. And then like one day I was just like, I, I don't want to design sounds. I'm not going to design sounds anymore. I'm going to mm-hmm. use my keyboard. I'm going to create respaces. I'm going to create synths. And then I'm going to go in Native Instruments. I'm going to go in Omnisphere and choose a fucking sound. Mm-hmm. Like that's it. Because that was something that was like a hindrance to me. But it took me like three years to be like, stop trying to force yourself to do something that the general consumer does not give a fuck about. And yeah. I, I think really often, especially when you're in such like a heavy learning process, you think about like other producers a lot. It's like, it's like, you know, mm-hmm. are you like producing for other producers or are you like producing for like your fans and like how you want to sound? But now, because you've established yourself in such a way, you're able to collaborate with other producers and be like, here's the MIDI, here's my keyboard lines, yeah. I'm sending everything to you, do your thing. And yeah. I think that's one thing that I just wish. I say this like every podcast, it's bad. I like, I wish there was more of an openness to collaborative efforts in especially bass music, mm-hmm. you know? And, and when you look at all of the, the big guys, like whether it's San Holo or Slander or whatever, they have a million co-writers, you know, you know, you've got five to 10 producers in a room passing over projects, or you've got somebody bringing samples to the board and somebody doing sound design, somebody engineering the vocals and then you've got the mix and master engineer like it's a collaborative effort and i think when you're like coming up it's really like not advised to have a bunch of people in the room really working but that's where like the band life comes from that's where like whenever there's more heads than one usually you're gonna get a better product and there's something i wish i just had I don't even care if you're a producer, just someone sit in the room and say, stick it, keep moving. Mm -hmm. Because like if you just have like if you're just by yourself and you just stew over one thing, you know. Oh, yeah. But I've 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 had a couple of those where somebody and it's obviously like it's like I have a problem with like just stewing over. They're like, it's good. Move it. I was like, well, that'll be a placeholder. Like even when I said I place a drum loop for a placeholder, like when we were talking about like, how do you go? Yeah. Like that the shit you should. Those are the drums you use. Like, yeah. stick it, keep moving. Like, but that's how my mind. It's like I'll put this drum loop here, and then I'll come back and fix it. But then you fix the drum loop, and, and now, but the piano things, yeah. sounds off because I was in the groove of the kicks of the drum loop. So I was like, I was riffing because of that placeholder drum loop. Mm-hmm. So when I t- replace the drum loop, now the piano doesn't sound right with like good sounding drums. So it's just like to have somebody be like, that's good. and that's like the bounce in place where it just like freeze it yeah that's what you need to do more because it's just freeze flat and forget about it because otherwise you can always go back and like obsess over it and kind of like speed is kind of the name of the game anyway you know it's like you can't spend a year on a song no you could really could i have (laughs) i have i definitely have um yeah it's it's hard because i think there's just so many resources there out now where you can do YouTube University, you can do yeah. Patreon, you can have a mentor, you can have, you know, there's there's all these really, really talented individuals that have a great skill set of production. But then it's like, once you hone that down, I mean, you have to establish your sound and then you have to mm-hmm. establish, you know, 
what's going to make you unique and like all that stuff. And like, while I feel like you may be struggling with like the actual aspect of, okay, let's make original music and like I need to do all of it and da 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 da. I feel like you, you've kind of gone like a reverse way to where you are now. Yeah. But you've established like such a stronghold in like who Jason Leach is that everybody knows like you're the synth guy. <laughs> like you yeah. are the keyboard like maneuver and like master and like everybody is aware of that within like I think our community which is super awesome and then you know you're definitely on a great amount of tours like you have is the closey tour coming up no no I mean I've I've played some shows with her okay okay Um, so you've done some shows with her in the past and then like do you feel like and I know there's another handful of like A tier acts that you've kind of been doing shows with or been around or collaborating with. You know, do you feel like there was something in your journey that, you know, you reached a point and you went, wow, okay, all these people are either like sliding in my DMs or I'm having the opportunity to work with them? Yeah. Um, I mean, you know, getting an agent help, you know, having someone with connections because there's just, yep. just be me in my room. But, the video thing and doing the remixes was probably the biggest help because like like we're talking about closey like um i mean she was bigger i don't know what this was six years ago or so but like she you know shot up but like when she was like on a smaller level i was like hey can i remix your songs you know send me your stems and i'll make a video and that now connected us and she liked it and that like that relationship is like key versus some agent reaching out to another agent so then i started just doing that with a bunch of different artists a big to small and like you know you can get some bigger artists like oh my gosh i got their stems it's gonna be so you know and then even just people with you you know trying to come up and just that even more like than just a dm like hey love your music to make a remix of their song that all they had to do was just send stems and now they have some social media content and you know promo for their song yeah like that's a that means something to a lot of people and it means something to me because now their fans look at me i'm getting a lot out of it too and uh it's a it's a nice little payoff i found you know it's just like you're making friends in the industry but giving them something of value versus just like you know take 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 yeah like, what can you help you with especially yeah. when you're in like an up and coming position i yeah. think and there's just there's so many artists now that it's it's really you know you're you're 100 percent correct like you can mm-hmm. have the best agent the best manager the best team but your personal relationships with individuals will go yeah. way further than most any of them and there's and there's like something that i got with like okay the first artist to ever post one of my remix remixes was Nightmare. Oh, that's and, so dope. And that hit a dopamine when mm-hmm. I was, I mean, I was like, I made the video. Like, I can't imagine. Yeah, I was, I can't imagine. Uh, you know, just trying to get started. And I was like, okay, I can get on Nightmare's page with my keyboards doing exactly what I want to do. Now I can use that and be like, come over here. Like, hey, uh, I made this for Nightmare. And I'm talking to another big artist. They're like, all right, Nightmare did it. We'll try it. Yeah. And then I now, like, when I send an email trying to get, like, a bigger artist to do a remix, it's like, here are five or six giant artists that have 
post my work. Here's the links. Can I do one for you? It's kind of like a compounding thing, you know? Yep. And it, it's like a resume. Yeah. And how can I how can I stop to make original music when like I have this, you know what I, I mean? Know. I have to like stop and like stop doing remixes when I it's working and I can get on I have like a like a trap door into every yep. artist's page, you yep. know? It's hard to just stop and be like, all right, disappear for a year and make an album. Just like how do you like I love what I like I love making remixes, you know? So it's just like you, I literally have to be like, if I don't make myself and I will never like share my own album, you know, which yeah. means a lot to me, you know. Yeah. Yeah. No, absolutely. And and it's it's sometimes it's like you sometimes feel like you're taking a step back to take two steps forward. Mm-hmm. And and the good thing about it is that, you know, when that album does come and when, you know, those things do happen, you have such a huge support system that you've established all these ground markers with all of these people where it's like, yeah, like, let's listen. Like, maybe we'll play it out. Maybe we'll support it. Maybe we'll playlist it. Maybe we'll do all this stuff. And that wouldn't happen without the previous efforts that you've already done, you know? So it's just, I feel like so much of this is perspective and 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 there's always going to be so many ups and downs. And, mm-hmm. and would you say that, you know, you're playing shows pretty consistently yeah more than ever yeah yeah which is which is so exciting are there shows coming up that you're very excited for uh louine besides red rocks oh yeah (laughs) red rocks that's the big i mean that yeah that's the the highlight but Halloween, uh which i've I've never been to that's gonna be another festival that's perfect for what you do see a little like hype about people excited for my set too so that's always exciting um just a, a fun one is the pre-lights after party in Chicago. Dude. I know. Oh, my God. That's just going to be fun. Was pretty lights like one of your, yeah. like, were you, okay, you were in the pretty lights yeah. era. Got it, it. It made it, it was, I was listening, I was thinking, okay, EDM is dubstep. I thought that was kind of one, like the UKF. Yeah. You know, like uh, Eyes on Fire. Yeah, like, the Zed's like, dead. Yeah. Eyes, yeah, yeah, like, yeah. That's my introduction. I was like, okay, that's what electronic music is. And it's like, Oh, then you hear like, you know, Yellowbird or something. And it's just like this beautiful symphony. It's crazy to think that you can actually. It's, it just, he's like conducting an orchestra, but by himself. Yeah. Yeah. Big fan. Yes. <laughs> yes. He had a, but this obviously with, with the band, but they had a three nights here every mm. single night. There were people 11 a.m. lined up, 11 a.m. lined up. Crazy. And then he went to Dylan um, up in the mountains and he had another three nights and mm-hmm. it's just wild i mean an absolute machine that i think everybody was very very happy to see back and then you i have maddie o'neill coming back on the podcast next week you know maddie o'neill's in one i know zen select is flying mm-hmm. one it's so crazy that it's like it's it's definitely like older generation newer generation kind of really coming together and i think yeah. every single artist who's playing the after parties is just like wonked out like yeah wow i mean that's like you look up to like yeah. that's you know and and i when i played uh denver with uh marvel years the marvel trio um a couple months ago so that's cervantes no uh, well i did do that but there was one at uh an amp- amphitheater oh mishawaka no no um i'm trying to i would forget it i forget okay but no, uh <laughs> anyway but uh Pretty lights. Derek showed up. Yeah, he oh, was there, and whoa. I was, and I 
exchanged like a hello. Yeah. And, like, you know, and it was like, okay, that, that was like a something in my head. Like, all right, you're doing something right. Because like now he's like standing in front of you. You know what I mean? I mean, he was out in the crowd and he was talking to everybody, but just like this, this figure in your mind when you're growing up and like listen to it. And now he's like watched my set. Yeah. It's just like, all right. It's, it's nice to see like, nice to see that you're on the right path because he has always been like the shining light. Yeah. Big fan. Absolutely. <laughs> oh my gosh. That's so exciting. Yeah. Yeah. You have some big, big shows coming up. Oh my goodness. And uh, Sun Squavy tour is going to be going down. That'll be super fun. Yeah. That's what they're on um, the same roster as well. I think they're oh, on yeah, 11, 11 11 rosters too. And I mean, you you just do this like you have like a really cool crossover deal where I feel like like you can do the base shows and you can do like the very EDM centric stuff. Mm-hmm. But then like you can also do the jammy stuff and you can also do like the like alternative indie electronic stuff like it's. It's really dope because there's just not there's I'm sure there's so many artists out there that could fit into those categories. But I don't know a lot in my wheelhouse that can like cross those lines. So, I mean, I it must be cool to be able to be like, okay, like I can formulate like this set for Mm -hmm. this type of event for this crowd. And then I'll go over here and maybe make it a little bit heavier and have my interpretations (laughs) here, you know, or is it just kind of like. You have a touring set and you have a touring set or do, do you change it quite often? Well, like for the Sun Squabby tour, it's like, all right, lay back on the. Uh, the the Subtronics the, yeah. reimagination. I wouldn't, but, but it's really, it's not, it's not. People are exci- like, people aren't one dimensional. Like people at the Sun Squabby show would. A lot of them, you know, would not mind like heavy bass. Yeah, they're not. It's not like, oh, I got a jam crowd. Here's a way to, you don't want to, you want to kind of curate the night a little bit. So like I, I will lean into more, but it, like I said before, it's almost like this silly thing. Like it's not that I'm a DJ and it's playing this angry music at uh, Sun Squavy. It's just like they see me hitting this piano or this keyboard that they're familiar with already. And yep. it's making that sound. And even if that's not their taste in music, it's like still they're, they're looking and like it, there's something yeah, I'm really happy. It's just like people are accepting. They're like, all right, I'm not. I get like a lot of comments like that. Not the biggest dubstep fan, but that was cool. But that was cool. Yeah, because yeah. it's because you're you're showing just like what today's digital age can do with mm-hmm. like a keyboard. Like the key, I feel like the keyboard is like the goat instrument because you can like <laughs> yes, you can, it is. You know, like you can do anything. Any with instrument, it. like literally anything. Like whether it's mini mapping, whether it's you're using, you know, the software you use mm-hmm. to like assign. Do you kind of, I guess, is it like octave to octave? Like you can set like an octave range and then I guess identify which instrument you're going to assign to that octave or like how does it work for you? Or do you have like, like when, a kick and a snare and a hi-hat and a crash? Like how do you do it? Like like uh, the keyboard, like, well, there's a, there's a song that I'm playing a synth solo, which is like a serum patch and I'm playing a synth solo. But then, like, the thing that it's kind of different and that people are really like, what are you doing? And I get a lot of make tutorials of this, but it's when I'm playing the keyboard and it's going wah, wub, wub, wub. Yeah. You know, it's like this yeah. whole thing. Um, but that's just a sampler. It's just, you know, how people throw a sample mm-hmm. on a keyboard, but I have to build it. And, and I build it in mind of how it looks 
uh, to the eye. Cause like you could, if I wanted to just put all the wubs in a row, A, B, C, or A, A, sharp, B, you know, all that, and just go wub, 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 and just play it. But like, think of, I try to think of it like a piano player. So I'm going deep wub down deep here, wub, screeches yeah. up yeah, here, yeah, yeah. you know what I mean? And like, so then it looks, it looks like this instead of just like, I don't know what he's doing. It's the performance aspect yeah, of it. Gotta be like spread out. But even like, like I have a, like a lot of like, uh, old, uh, elder, you know, whatever you want to call yep, them. Yep. Fans, because they're like, I like, they're like, I like this. And I know that they don't listen to any, like anything like that, you know, just kind of going off what uh, their Facebook, uh, profile pic looks like, but like that, like my grandma knows what a piano is, you know what I mean? Yeah. But like, if she saw somebody DJing, it's like, I don't know what's going on up there. Like that would be kind of a disconnect for her. Just like people can understand finger to yeah, piano to, to makes sound. Yes. Yeah. So that's, that's what I like. Uh, that's what I like. Uh, a little something I have. I love you that. Know? And yeah. like in regards to like your setup, do you have, I can like picture it in my head, but like do, there are three different synths, right? Mm-hmm. Or are they all MIDI keyboards? No. Um, so middle one is the MIDI. That's, okay. That's the. That's where you're assigning sounds, the, yeah. doing the sampler. Yep. And that's in main stage. You can have all your patches. I got serum, massive, you know, all those. But then also some of them are the sampler, which like is within main stage. So it'll just be, it'll go down to the next one. It'll say, you know, smokeland samples. And then now my middle keyboard has become that, you know, what we were just talking about with all those wubs. But I play with the stack of three keyboards when I do it live. And on my videos, the bottom one is always piano because it's weighted keys. Traditional. Keep it. Yeah. Got it. And start out with that. Let them know, okay, yeah. there's that. You can't just hit him with the yeah yeah they're like holy shit well, it's good. you know what I mean it's just like you know it's like okay I understand that oh now he's making that sound and then oh he can do that sound um but okay so the bottom one says piano live and on videos middle one is the midi one the blue one on top is a Yamaha but uh, when I do it live I use the stock sounds within that because that is it sound it's the strings and bells and uh pads are good you know in that yeah. like they, like if you just need filler sounds or like the guitar sound is really good too so i can like kind of do that but like that is more you'll see me playing for build-ups versus i'm going like you know hitting the strings and everything but then it's like here comes the drop there's no really sounds on a yamaha keyboard that will connect like a yeah you know so that's one of the middle ones for but in my vi- and this is a i'm I got to take this step forward, but like in my videos, I run it all on the logic and I can make all three MIDI keyboards and I'm not worried about it overloading because that's a lot of CPU, you know what mm-hmm. I mean? And I'm fine with that. Like I can just run it logic and they all run and I can make the blue keyboard just run it as a controller. So mm-hmm. it can do wubs too. But to do it live, I'm too scared. I'm too scared. Like yeah. I... I I don't need it that bad. I could, the show would be better if the top one was. But you're afraid of like literally a CPU just. Yeah. I need, like, I'll need a third computer, but then I'd be looking at two screens. I, there's a way to do it though. Like in main stage, you can stack two keyboards. Like you put them out there and you can label that and that. But then I'm thinking 
twice as much about what's the top one, what's the middle one. Yeah. And I'm like, it has to be like secondhand nature. Yeah. When, when you're when you're gonna like take like, yeah. a jump like that. But there are songs I can't let like in my videos you'll see and it's like I'm doing this like all over dubstep thing, but I'm not there yet with the live set because it's like I'm stuck with that stock. Yeah. But I like it works. Like it, I, I can see, I can still work a lot with that middle one. And then I know we like talked about the loop pedal, but like, do you set them on loops? Like. If you're playing the keys, are you ever setting that on a loop mm. and then moving something else? No. no. Just, just okay. Raw, okay. It's, We're moving forward. Yeah. yeah. It's the the piano is the stock piano sound on that. So that's just a guitar cable out, quarter inch out, quarter inch out of the blue one on top. That's just the stock sounds there. Middle one, USB into my computer, which is right here. And then just a headphone jack out. So now you have another audio line. Absolutely. So it's just like raw sound. Would you say like traveling is a bitch like not great uh yeah i uh i figured out how do you finagle that it's a lot i mean you'll see tomorrow i have a case it's a i was like okay i can't travel with three three keyboards and a guitar so four so it's like that is gonna be four hundred dollars every time i fly on top of the plane ticket that's impossible so i had the idea of I need to put all these keyboards into one case and be like, here is my one case and then just fly that and get one time pay it. But they don't make anything like that. Yeah. My dad, handyman, custom made this keyboard case that holds all of them. No way. Yes. That's dope. So I've traveled with this big. Oh my God, I can't imagine how big. It's huge. It's, I mean, it's, it's a lot. My keyboards themselves aren't very heavy. How much does it weigh? Um, I, I keep it. The 100 pounds is the cutoff. We made it like 95, 96. And it's, uh, it's, uh, it's a lot. And it's just this huge box. And I'm like going through airports with this giant thing and then lifting it up in the cars and everything. Like it's a lot of work. It's not a no. USB. But like, yeah, so I have them all four in one case. And that's our work. And I found out that Southwest will fly it for 75, which is nice. And then I found out an even better trick. My manager told me, get a media pass. And if you have a media pass, they, uh, they'll fly it for free. What? So I fly my keyboards for free. Yes. Southwest? Southwest, get a media pass. Media pass will work for uh, all the airlines, but Southwest is free. But it cuts it down by so much. But it's oversized baggage, which is like a fee. You know, but you're flying so often, it's like, yeah, but like, and I, sometimes I will have to take other flights just because that's what it is, but yeah. never more than a hundred bucks to fly it with a media pass. The media pass is just something like that says, uh, I have audio equipment. It might be bending the rules a little bit because it, you, you're like saying I'm with media, and I think that airlines like to be nice to media because yeah yeah know? yeah yeah got it got it but they like hey i work for the new york times and I'm yeah like, yeah <laughs> but i don't have like a fake like new yeah. york times thing but they say what's in here and on the website it says audio equipment counts as media Run and it. i am doing something sort of media i'm oh my play, gosh you are 100 percent. so yeah i think they're thinking more like camera you know, but, but still audio equipment. And I say audio equipment and it goes through. That's audio equipment. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. wild. That's such a little hack. 
I hope the FDI is not listening. I am excited. I think we're going to be okay. Yeah. I confidently say I think we're going to be okay. Yeah. I always think about that because I've talked to like Trivecta and I talked to, you know, Evolution and all those guys and, you know, just them like transporting their guitar. Mm-hmm. Half the time it doesn't end up where they are. So, yeah. so that's definitely not great. And yeah. then like when you're playing on stage are you running everything through an interface or are you plugging straight into a mixer oh that's the other thing in my book i'll tell you what my yeah i need to know because I'm, I'm putting this like in my head and i'm like you're still missing pieces yeah. of equipment if i had one more piece of equipment i couldn't do it i'm literally like full to capacity it goes 100 pound keyboard case it looks like a coffin right, yeah so i can't that. imagine you going down like dia with yeah. this like on your it's back. a lot <laughs> It's a lot. It's like a, it's a workout for real. But so that I got that in one hand and then my book bag, which has my laptops in it, fits my sound mixer, which is like, like a Behringer, you know, I control the levels and that's yeah. why I run all my sound into. Got it. So okay. sound guys are like, when I arrive, they're like, what is this? I'm like, I have what one output for you. Yeah. It's just a left, right. Well, out of oh thing. my God. That's so a dream easy. though. Yeah. Make and I have control so right here. Easy. And that's a Behringer. Yeah, yeah. yeah and it. it fits in my book bag barely. So now I got this. So you're really showing up and you're acting as your own front of house engineer. You're yes. like, hey, plug this in. Don't touch anything. Yeah, because I'm playing these, I'm playing these EDM shows and they're they're like, oh, we uh, thought you were a DJ. We didn't When I have <laughs> IEMs, when I when I have in ear monitors, it's like the world's ending. Like yeah. pigs are in the sky, they're flying. Scary. Yeah. Like and I Maddie O'Neill does the same shit. She's, yeah. she's a, she has a, I don't know if she has a Behringer mixer, but she has a certain mixer. She's like, especially like when I show up, I, I set up everything on my own and I say, here you go. Mm-hmm. Because it's, I think a lot of times when you're in venues that are multifaceted venues that are doing band shows and they're doing this and they're maybe not just a club, one, their audio engineer either isn't knowledgeable enough mm-hmm. or two, they're like, it's an EDM show. I have a night off. Like, I'm just going to sit and watch whatever on yeah. Netflix, you know? They don't check the, uh, you know, see what the... You come in with your coffee. If there's like four, if there's four DJs and then, you know, there's another person, they're not going to be like, oh, this, uh, you know, five, you know, output person is coming. But I, I like Mixer better. I, I want it to be that way because if I give them the, the sound guy each line and my blue keyboard is too quiet i'm pushing as hard like everything up yeah and like mid-show if like something happens or whatever like you can literally control everything yeah yeah i like i have it all and i if i want to turn down you know and it has mic inputs if i want to talk through it um but that's that's in my book bag on my back 100 pound coffin in my right hand uh where do you put your clothes no clothes one pair of clothes i'll I'll get there i'll get there (laughs) so then i have my suitcase my carry-on my clothes and wires go into there. So it's like the clothes keep the wires, uh, you know, Protected. safe. You yeah. know? And then that's so that's in this hand. And over my shoulder is my keyboard stand because I have to have a three tier keyboard stand. You can't really backline a three tier keyboard stand. I'm really just trying to envision this to the best of my abilities yes. walking through a crowded airport. Yes. But the late, but the it, it's ridiculous looking. That's why it's so nice to have someone with me. But yeah, but the the newest thing, and it's saving my back. And this is also my dad's idea. He was like, "Well, the 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 custom 
the coffin has two small little wheels on the back of it. You know how you, like, you roll? Yeah. But they're like that because it's meant it was originally a one keyboard hitch. type of deal. So it yeah. wasn't supposed to be this 100-pound thing. And he's like, we need to get wheels on this. And he... Like dr- real wheels. Real wheels, Scooter right. Wheels. Yeah. But he drilled holes, four holes in the side of it. And uh, I can't I can't even explain what it's called, but it's it's now there's like these silver metal holes in the side of the case and pop out wheels like nice big wheels. And we I stick all four in and now my coffin has turned into a cart because it, it, it's like now I can roll it then I can put my stand on top of that and my suitcase and I'm just rolling this thing and it's. I don't know why we haven't thought of it before. I spent like the first couple years with that. This is just so like now it's like thing. stacked. It's like you're at like Home Depot. Yeah, you've got and, like the lower layer, but and I'm then just you've got everything I'm else. just barely pushing it now, like with one hand, and I'm just going through. It's a lot of shit, but it's like I'm just pushing it right yeah, through. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's like I found a way to uh, make that a little bit easier. So it works out. I need like photos. You have to send me yeah. photos oh, after yeah. this. Sure. I definitely want to check. I it have out. it all. I mean, you'll see it at the That's show tomorrow. Amazing. Like, I cannot wait. Yeah. Oh my god! And then this time I had to bring a merch box, and now like I had a box for my shirt. So I was like, "All right, this now is getting a lot because that's hard." To <laughs> but once I get there, now I have all my. It's so fun. I have all my stuff. You know, yeah, it's worth it. Well, then, and well, that, and that's, and I think that's like the behind the scenes that people just don't get mm-hmm. and like understand a lot of the time. Where I mean, it's the same deal with me. Like you kind of used to think things would like pop out of a box, and especially when like. You're in like a band and like you understand like a tour bus and you understand like a yeah. wagon and you understand like the church van with the wagon attached to the back yeah. and you put all your stuff in. But as like someone that's playing potentially on opposite sides of the country one night to the next, you have to figure it out. Mm-hmm. And and you can't always rely on like everything getting there. Like, have you ever had anything lost? Yeah. Yeah, that's why I'm here a day early. Yes, you know, yes, yes. And a nonstop flight. But yeah, or not lost, but just, hey, uh, sorry, that went on the wrong thing. And not very many times, but a couple of times. And that's just scary because it's just like, I need so that stuff tonight. Here. Yeah, but, it, but for the most part, it's been going pretty well. That's good. Mm-hmm. And like get, getting started out with it was tricky because it's like, how can like, your, your rates aren't as high when you're starting out, but you also need to fly a giant case. You're going under almost every time. Yeah, so that was like the biggest hurdle to go. But yeah, it's a, you know, push through. What, Find a, what way. a gross period. You <laughs> definitely do. You know, it's it's always like, as long as you don't quit, it's usually going to happen. Yeah. You know, you just have to like stay perseverant, stay like observant, like be able to adapt and mm-hmm. all that stuff. And and now, tomorrow you're playing Red Rocks for the first now, time. Now we're here. So exciting. <laughs> well, I can't wait to see you. Um, is there anything else? I feel like I covered your shows. Any, like, cool reimaginations, cool music on the way that you're excited to share with us? I know you said you're debuting a new song tomorrow at Red Rocks. Mm-hmm. Smokeland. I got one going with my homie, Honeycomb, that we're very excited about. Love Honeycomb. Uh, and Britt Laurie, she sings on it. Great singer. Um, uh, I can, because this probably isn't, isn't coming out till a week or so. Yes. Yeah. 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 Okay. Uh, cause after this Red Rock show, I can announce my next Denver show. Oh, perfect. Okay. Yes. You can um, announce here. And this would be my, uh, biggest headlining show, Cervantes, uh, February 8th. 
know. Yeah. So exciting. Yeah. Oh my God. I know. So that's a big that's one for me. Big. Yeah. I mean, Red Rocks is, it's huge, but to put your name on the show. The head, yeah. The headlining bill. Denver loves you. Do you feel like Denver's like one of like your places? Yes. It's, yeah. I mean, it's where, you know, biggest crowds and everything. It's just the, the right people, uh, people get it. Yeah. <laughs> the people get it. The people get it. Well, Jason, thank you so much for joining Thanks. me Thanks today. For me. Yeah. Thanks for uh, talking me up and, uh, Absolutely. making me feel, uh, I can't wait like to see you at Red Rocks tomorrow. Thank Let's you. go. Congratulations. Thank you. All right. Bye guys. Peace. See ya.